What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. I'm here with some wonderful people, starting with Sam. How's it going, Sam? It's going. We're here. We're ready for it. <laughs> the, the hesitant, like, um, of our like generation to be like, well, I don't want to say it's good because things are never really good, but like, good, good is going. such a strong word, you know, <laughs> too strong of an adjective yeah. to describe like, everything. Yeah. They're going. They're going. I'm not going to say they're going good. They're going, though. Which I, is, I'm here. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Elliot, how are you? Uh, my day is actually good. So, yeah. Oh, heck. All right. Way to throw my theory right out the window, Elliot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. And Tess? I'll bring it back. I am not having a good day, but that oh. is okay. I had a great weekend and I am now paying for it because I am tired and sick and behind on homework. So here we are. And still recording a podcast nonetheless. Because things are going. It's going. Because it's going. Things are are going. Uh, As as we're going, uh, Sam, do you want to launch us into prayer? It sounds like we need it. It sounds like we kind of, except for Elliot. Elliot's, Elliot's thriving, but. The rest of us need it right now. So Sounds like we really need something. Okay. Dear God, dear creator, thank you for giving us time when we're in whatever kind of space we are, in whatever kind of adjective we think is perfect to describe us. Thank you for being there with us. And thank you for supporting us during every time of our life and every season we're in. Um, let's have a good conversation today. And let's hope that our space together and our ability to talk and have dialogue will maybe leave us with a better adjective than we started today with. Amen. Amen. Uh, Elliot, since you're doing good, I think you need to launch us in. Bring the the good vibes. You ready? Yeah. Take it it away. Okay. So my text is 2 Thessalonians uh, 1 through eight. So this is um, greetings from Paul, Paul talking to Thessalonica, the city of Thessalonica. I think that's right. Um, Anyway, there's a few things I want to point out in his greeting to them that I think is really cool. The first thing being in verse Uh, Four, he says, we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. And then continuing into verse five, and God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. I think that's really interesting. Um, There's a whole bunch of different moving parts in that little section through verse four four through six, I believe. Um, but I think it's cool that he talks about that. He said he's, they are proud, excuse me. They are proud um, to tell God's other churches about their endurance and faithfulness through their persecutions. So it's a celebration. It's a good thing that's happening. And I think that that's awesome, especially because like nowadays you think about, you know, churches going through bad things and it's just like, Like, oh, like, that's bad for them. Like, why would we support that? Why would we, you know, why would we stick with them? 
But I think the point is, if you, if you, um, if you truly feel that that's the right place for you and you're and, and, and you feel safe, then you can, um, you can endure, uh, and have faithfulness in that. And, and then that will be make the Lord proud and happy for you. And, and not even just like a church in general, but like us in community, like, like what we're doing right now, talking about, you know, uh, the word of God, like with friends and people, you know, not like, like we t- just talked about earlier, like not everyone has a perfect day every day. You know what I mean? So it's like, so you have to voice those opinions, not opinions, voice those concerns and things that are happening in order to endure and in, in order to grow and get better. So I think that's really cool. And, and also he goes in verse five, and God will use this persecution to show his justice and make you worthy of his kingdom. And that's cool as well, because it's almost like, okay, so the things that we're suffering from, the things that are happening to us, God will then, um, he, he will show his justice and make us worthy through those things. So I know there's been times in my life, especially where I've had, you know, anxiety issues and things like that, where, you know, I felt really, really bad, like in certain times of my life. But now looking back on those things now, I can really tell that, wow, my faith really grew through those moments, those times. And I think that um, that's super cool, but it's also really important to, um, look back on those things. I feel like a lot of times people think um, having the end in mind when they begin something, but I also think it's important to have the beginning in mind when you end something. So for example, in my case, when I came through that time of anxiety, you don't just move forward. You look back on it and you learn from it. And um, I think that that's what Paul is telling us here in this verse. Um, those are the things I found really interesting. Uh, I would love to hear all of your thoughts. Yeah, I, Elliot, I, I love this. I mean, I think it's, I do think it's very encouraging um, to kind of hear this promotion of, let's, let's talk about the bad things. I've had like leaders or mentors in my life kind of push forward this narrative that like, oh, just stay really busy and don't think about or talk about the like, bad things and everything will be fine. You'll get over it. You'll forget about it. It's fine. But I mean, I think it's very encouraging to hear this sort of push to talk about the hardships in our life, especially the areas that are very much struggling. I mean, in this, in modern day, I feel like we're, we're much better about talking about our mental health. I mean, this is therapy 101, right? We're going to talk about the things that are hard so that we can get through them. And it's, it's nice to know that there's that connection between our physical and mental health and uh, spiritual growth as well. I think that's pretty cool. I absolutely loved what you said about seeing the beginning while at the end. Um, And I just like what Michael was talking about with like mental health. Um, That's one of the things I've seen in like different online and in person, like some of the counseling like regimens you can be on and groups you could be a part of. One of the things that a lot of groups try to do is about halfway through, like take that time to be like, okay, here's where you're at now and here's where you've come from already. And like, that's such a good thing to talk about with mental health that like, it's not one, it's not something that's an easy fix. It's not something that comes easily to everyone, but also it's not a fix. It's not something you turn off and like, it's that journey like you talked about. So I really appreciated that, especially in this context. Yeah. Building off of what everyone said already, I think 
putting like a personal lens on it for me, I definitely have the tendency, like Michael was talking about, to like keep myself really busy so I don't have to stop and think about, usually it's my emotions. I'm like, if I'm just running around and really busy, there's no time for me to think about how I'm feeling. And so, um, but like, that's not productive because if I don't stop and first of all, recognize them. And second of all, um, like learn how to not necessarily fix things, but like take that and grow from it, then nothing changes and it just continues to happen. So like recognizing it's really important and then deciding what you do with that to then move forward is, I think you have to have both of those in order to make some sense of the bad things. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, y'all. Uh, Sam, that runs us into you. New Testament to Old Testament. Are you feeling good? I'm ready. I'm feeling good. And yet we're about to go talk about Moses dying. Sam, so already, we're gonna... <laughs> Sam has already texted me about this. So there's a lot of hype right now. So I'm ready. Take it away, Sam. Yeah, I may have texted Michael and was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm gonna. Um, so we're starting with Deuteronomy. De Deuteronomy. Wow. Um, at the chapter 34, which is the end of the book. And it's the death of Moses. So Moses, of course, has been a very, very influential figure up until this point. He has led the Israelites through this entire grueling time. And the entire point of him being a leader is he saying, I'm going to take you out of suffering and I'm going to take you to the promised land. And they are right there. They're so close. They're like almost on the border. And the whole beginning of this chapter is describing where they are. They are right outside the promised land. And then he dies and God lets him, God, it's that moment of like, it's time. I see the like master Yoda force ghosting into the distance. Um, Cause it's, it's time for Moses. It, his time is over, but he's right on the edge. They almost get to the promised land. And I read this the first time and was really struck by verse nine. So it's very, very quick. Um, it says Joshua son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. And I read this the first time and was like, wow, um, first of all, thanks for giving me Moses dying. This is um, really, really quick and an easy chapter. There's not much here, but that verse kept sticking out to me about Joshua and about had laid his hands on Joshua. And I started thinking about like what that meant and started doing research about that. And what it brought me to was looking into Joshua. And like we talked about last time, me and Tess are the ones who are going to go to other chapters. So if you read through Joshua and that whole book, it talks about how important Joshua was to the Israelites as well. Him passing away later, many years later, um, was what brought the Israelites into a time of unfaithfulness. And his leadership was what did get them to the promised land. And so it made me start thinking about like leadership. And the idea of Moses as this leader who fulfilled all of his duties and did all these extremely influential things, but also in his last moments had a conversation with God and was like, my time is up. So who's next? And Joshua would not have been able to do all the things he did. Joshua would, would not have been able to lead them into the promised land. The Israelites would not have made it there if he hadn't had the blessing of Moses. It says, because he had laid his hands on him. Moses, at a formational part, at a young time in Joshua's life, had placed a blessing on him, had prayed over him, had nurtured him as a leader. And because of that, the Israelites were able to complete that goal. 
And so like, those are the two ideas that I kept bouncing around with is one, what does it mean to be nurtured by another leader to do something that could not be fulfilled before? But also from the Moses perspective, what does it mean to know you are not the person in this moment for the job? And what does it mean to like build up other people who you know have the skills and the gifts to be able to do something to fulfill a goal? Because like, no matter what instance you're, take, you're looking at, a lot of times there are leaders who know the best kind of leader is the one who can step down and say, I'm not the person to do this, but I know you are. And so this is, this is what I said Michael about. He doesn't know what I'm about to do. Um, I, when I switch to you guys, I want to ask you guys a question. It has two parts. You guys feel free to answer either of them, anything that you're comfortable with, or neither of them if you just want to talk about it. But the question I had for you guys was, do you guys feel, have people in your life who, like Moses, have laid hands on you, have prayed over you, have nurtured you, and have made you the leaders that you are? Or are you able to name any Joshua's in your life that you see and you know are going to do something and you are going to build up? So like, I, I'll give some examples before I throw you guys in the curveball. I'll let you guys figure out answers. Um, my example of both, um, Moses, I have my missions director at my home church. She has literally known me since I was two years old. And this summer, I got the chance to actually work with her in a collaborative sense all summer. And it was one of some of the most foundational parts of my life so far, because it really was this person, she had been with me forever and had constantly seen me grow up and had tried to influence me. And then it was my time to help her back. It was my time to help grow the church even more. So that's my Moses. Um, shout out to her. She knows who she is. I'll probably send her this podcast. Um, and then I was really lucky in high school to be able in a magnet school to teach freshmen um, because I did lights in the tech department and was able to, as a job, teach freshmen who are coming into the magnet. And it's really, really cool to not be at that school anymore and to see these people that I taught how to do things start to do it on their own and getting text from people who are now designing their own shows and seeing the posts of people who are now leads and stuff. And I'm like, oh, those are, those are my little babies. I feel like I raised them for a little part. So yeah, now I want to pass it off to you guys. Um, my first question in Studio Wesley, do you guys have people in your life who have nurtured you like Moses or who you have nurtured like Joshua's? Uh, yeah, first of all, Sam, I just want to say thank you for the sermon. I really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was all great. Uh, and to your question, um, who has maybe been the Moses in my life? Um, I would say probably my parents and maybe and my siblings and then my, uh, my best friends maybe as well. We've known each other for a long time. And then the people, maybe the, the, the Joshua's, uh, well, I guess, yeah, to that question, the people who I've laid my hands on, I think, uh, almost similar to you, like in high school, how you were like helping out the younger kids. I was on the soccer team and like, to seeing all those kids on the soccer team now actually like going through the ranks and like playing in, in the adult league now and just like uh, how, how the team is working with, without me, the things that I've taught everyone on the team to be able to do and now seeing, seeing it come to fruition is a really awesome. So I would say those are my two answers to those questions. Great questions and great conversation. I do just, however, want to go uh, and talk about, you, you did talk about uh, leadership. 
which which is awesome. And I, I want to talk about leadership just for just shortly, um, because that's something that I got out of this as well. Um, I actually have a leadership class, like I'm in a leadership class uh, here at school, and we've talked, we've had a, a lot of really great conversations. But something that's is that's always been interesting interesting to me is like a leader, um, a leader is 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 as powerful as his circle of influences. And if you whoops, if you uh, if you think like Moses and the people he was leading, um, that they, they had been with him for that long, so they trusted and believed in him. And I feel like sometimes when there's change in leadership. Like, for example, when Moses died, things like that, it can ha cause people to be, um, you know, confused. Uh, they don't know how to respond. They don't know how to react. And a couple, we talked about traits of leadership, traits of being a leader. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of some virtue, uh, honorable and honest, um, uh, thinks of everybody, you know, all these, all these different things. But I think one of the most important things of being a leader is courage as well, because like you're talking about courage is sometimes saying, okay, maybe I'm not fit for this or something. Maybe it's sometimes saying, okay, maybe, maybe I don't best understand this, but I'm going to step down so I can learn it better. And I feel like uh, that's something that kind of resonated with me with like all the stuff and the things that you were talking about as well. Um, so yeah, that's my feedback. Yeah, I, I will also, I am going to answer these questions, but I first want to go off on a tangent that you kind of made me think of. So I've been thinking a lot about this in returns in regards to like leadership generationally. Cause I, I do notice, at least in my field, and I'll talk about that in a second, but um, I do oftentimes think that there's this like weird gap or um, hindrance in leadership where like when it's intergenerational, um, older generations are have might some people have this fear of like the younger generation right coming in and taking over and like in in almost a disrespectful manner right of like the agent being like aged out whereas I think young people have the worry that they won't be taken seriously by pursuing leadership at a young age and I feel like those two things are constantly in um, in like battle and disagreement sometimes. Um, and that just popped into my head as you're talking about this. It also gave me major, like one last time Hamilton vibes, Sam of like a leader stepping down for regardless. I think, I think there, the, there's an interesting component of this that um, speaks into that discussion of like generations um, and what it means to truly be supportive um, and kind of breaking down those insecurities from both ends um, in response to your question. So I, um, so I don't know if I've shared this with, with all of you, but so what I do for a living <laughs> is um, I run a performing arts ministry that, that combines like live performance with nonprofits and helps tell stories from different, like um, different um, mission statements and what whatnot. That being said, so um, the Moses and Moseses in my life that I've felt most often are, are people that have kind of pushed this narrative of like, hey, the career that you're pursuing, although it's difficult, I totally think you should do that. Um, the first people that, that come to mind, <laughs> Elliot's dad is actually one of them because he was like my acting coach for a little bit um, and is largely in, in part the reason that I, I do most of the things that I do now. But I'm also in a position where I, I 
do have this leadership role. Like I'm about to direct a children's production, right? And there's all these kids that are coming to love the art of theater and live performance and, and really being a person that can speak into that and support them and be like, Hey, you're, you're like killing it at this. I don't know. I don't know if that's entirely your question, Sam. I know I'm stretching out of ministry a little bit, but um, I don't know. I think, I think it's a great question. Thanks. I wanted to comment on what both of you guys talked about with like the fear of new leadership and like that, that conflict and specifically more towards Elliot's point. Um, one of the things I didn't mention it because just like last time I took, I took way too many notes. Um, but one of the things I was reading in one of the commentaries is talking about, they list how long that people mourn for Moses in like that 30 day period. But then they say very specifically, and then it ended. And my little head canon about that is like the, the Holy spirit, the God, the God guiding them to be like, okay, you have your time with your emotion, but like, there is a new person and like that i that friction that tension because i can imagine how scary it must be to be joshua and to be like okay i have people who've been crying for 30 days basically um and i gotta lead this but the fact that like then it ended and then we transitioned to a new leader and yeah so i i don't they don't talk about that transition but i think it's really interesting that they give a little period for it yeah i everything that all of you have said so far, I'm like, yeah, I get that. I get that. And I think the leadership aspect of this um, is like really cool. And I didn't necessarily see that the first time I read through it. But now that say I'm like, as you were talking through it and reading some verses, I also want to call attention to like, where is it? To verse seven. Um, it says Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. And so as you were talking about, like, sometimes the best leaders are the ones who step down. I think, like, adding on to that even more is sometimes the best leaders are the ones who look outside of themselves and, like, analyze the entire situation. Because it's like, you could be doing great at your role. Like, you could be maybe even the best person for it. But if there's some other um, like circumstances at hand that aren't doing the best for the entire group that you're leading, then it is that stepping down that really gives you, I think your credibility and like your power um, because you can take yourself out of the equation. So I just thought, I don't know, I liked that verse and I thought it was interesting that they like specifically named that. Um, and I think it just further blends into what we were already talking about. Um, and then as far as my Moses and my Joshua, um, I'm going to build off of Michael. I think I'm going to go outside of the church because when I think of people who like laid their hands on me, I think it really is more the people who like helped build me as a person than it is necessarily the people who deepened my faith. Um, and the two definitely go hand in hand, but at least for me, I think a lot of those people are, um, like from a secular space. Um, and I think back to like teachers and guidance counselors and people who I could just trust to be myself with and like come to them with whatever problem I had, whether no matter how stupid or petty it was, like I could trust that they would tell me, hey, you're really overreacting, take a step back. Or they could tell me you're totally valid in this and you need to think about how you're gonna fix this situation. Um, so just those sorts of people in my life. I mean, I could name specific ones, but y'all have no idea who they are. So, um, but yeah, just people that I knew I could talk to and that 
um, like I could trust to see the real me and to give me the honest and sometimes brutal truth. And then as far as Joshua goes, I mean, I like y'all, you know, mentored people who are younger than me, um, both in a school environment and in a ministry environment and a work environment. I just, I think it's really cool. Like y'all were talking about, especially you, Sam, to, and Elliot, to see like where they started and now see them building up. Like one, one girl that I was really close to in high school and we're family friends. Um, she's now here at UF with me. And so it was really cool to see her texting me like when she moved into her dorm and we registered for classes this morning and she was texting me and asking me for advice on those. And so it's just really cool to see how she's grown from like how I knew her in middle school to now how I know her in college. Um, and I'd like to think that my hands played some role in that. I love this. I love this is this feels like very wholesome content right now. And I'm it's making me very happy um, with that. I think it's fair to say that as we go on a break, everybody should text their their Moseses in their lives and tell them how much they appreciate them. We'll be back very soon. As always, uh, Derek has always told us that he would love for us to release like outtakes of what we talk about during the breaks. This time, the question for you is, do you know how to euthanize caterpillars? <laughs> because we were wondering over the break. Uh, and with that, Tess is going to lead us right into Psalms 90. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Not really, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Um so I had Psalms 90 verses one through six, and then picking it up again, verse 13 through 17. Um, I focused more so on the first part of the text that I was given. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit of it. So it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And then it kind of changes perspective a little bit. And it says, you turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight or like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening, it is dry and withered. And so starting to read this, I was like, oh, this is so great. Like, very prevenient grace of them. Like, God is always there and goes before you and loved you before you even knew who God was and all that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, he turns people back to dust. Like, very Thanos type thing. Um, and so reading through this and continuing through the rest of the um, chapter, I, the one like feeling that kept coming back to me was how insignificant we as humans are and like how our lives are and not in a really negative kind of way, but just um, like, this is something that I've been dealing with my life is like not taking things so seriously. Um, this weekend, I like alluded to this earlier, but this weekend I was in Atlanta um, with a bunch of my friends and we went to like two concerts in the span of three days and 
were just really busy up super late and it was a great time. Um, but I also like fell behind on schoolwork and spent most of yesterday in a car. And I don't know, it's just, <coughs> sorry, don't know what just happened. I'm also sick. So there's that anyway. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I don't feel as stressed out as I previously would have knowing all of the assignments that I didn't turn in. But then I look at my grades and they dropped like two points, like such an insignificant amount for something that normally I would be really stressed over. And I think back and I'm like, I had a great time this weekend. Like there's not a single thing I would change. There's nothing that we did where I was like, mm, I would have rather been sitting at home doing homework than that thing. And so it's this feeling of like returning to dust and like the new grass of the morning kind of thing of just each day, you know, things will continue to happen and you got to just kind of roll with them, but also stopping and cherishing the moments that really mean something to you. Um, like that's something that's really, I think going on in my life right now. And then I said this on the break, I wasn't going to do this because I do it too much, but then Sam called me out on it. So I am going to go back to a different piece of text. And in this case, it is Isaiah 40 verse eight, which says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. And this is something like one of my childhood pastors said this after literally every single text that they read. Um, so it's just something that's really stuck with me. But <clears throat> I think of this in the context as like we as individuals are kind of insignificant. You know, the world has existed for thousands and thousands of years before us. It will continue to exist after we're gone. Like the decisions that we think are so big in the moment really aren't. Like we don't think back on everything that stressed us out over the last several years. Um, but like God is not insignificant. God is ever present and always here with us. And then I also think about like, especially this text from Isaiah, like the word of our God endures forever. I think of this not only as like God's presence in our life, but also if we are like the living embodiment of God and of Jesus and just that spirit, then though we as individuals may be insignificant, like our presence in each other's life is not insignificant. So the way you treat the people around you, the way that we love each other, the way that we build community, I see that personally as like God's presence in our lives. Like I may not always hear his voice in my head, but I see him through other people. And so I think calling all of that back in, it's like we may be insignificant on this face on the face of this earth and in what we do with our daily lives. But like we as disciples of God are not insignificant. Like we are very significant in the lives of people around us. Um, so yeah, there was more in this passage, but that's really what stuck out to me as like our insignificance, but also we're really not. So I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on that. First of all, really glad that I could call you out and bring out the the nerd in you. I'm so glad that I could do this. I love positive peer pressure. Um, I was gonna share something different, but the more you talked about, you said like one sentence and it was really quick, but you talked about like the length of your life with someone else being important. And it immediately, like I started, I pulled out my phone and started going cause it was, it got me and I started writing stuff down. So if the earth is 
like if we are estimating at 4.5 billion years and you live to be 80 years old, you are here for to the negative eighth power, 1.7 of the Earth's life. You are literally here for a snapshot. But if you look at that in comparison with if you have 80 years and someone else has 80 years, estimate it. And you can be in someone's life for so much bigger of a portion and like what kind of impact that has. And I don't know, I had never really thought about that in that term of like, there are, yes, everybody thinks about changing the world and doing all these massive, massive things, but the, clo- the some of the biggest impact you have can be on the people you are closest with. And kind of like what we talked about before the break with the questions of like who you've impacted or who impacts you, their, their lives can be so important to you, even if it's short. Um, and I think I said this on another podcast, but it also, I'm just going to constantly quote this quote. Um, the John and Hank Green, the Green brothers always say that like, no matter what's happening, the species will go on. And that's what I always think about. Like when I, in my times of really bad anxiety and like what's going on in my life, or especially like when you read the news and see what's going on in the world, the human species will go on. This all is really, really stressful and really, really hard, but we've endured through it and we can again. And like all of this in the grand scheme of this kind of work, it feels so much less scary. So yeah, um, I really, I really liked what you said and it threw me on a completely different tangent than I thought I would. Uh, and to further that tangent, um, Sam, uh, I just want to continue and say like, I feel like um, a lot of people focus on like the out the outer excuse me the outer issues that they can't control, and it's like if you can focus on your circle of influence, because going back to when we were talking about uh, being a leader and what makes a leader and things like that, like influence, like if you whatever leader you think of, good or bad, good or bad a way to define an effective leader, not necessarily a good or a bad leader is their circle of influence. Like what, how many people do they influence? Well, what if it could be how you influence people instead of how many people you influence? Like, for example, if you influence one person's life to a degree that is life changing, like not, it's not just like, you're in their life for a certain season or something, or maybe you were and you change your life during that season, whatever the scenario may be. It's like, if you can, um, if you can really hone in on understanding that person on an emotional and like a connection on an, on an emotional level with them, then you can like change their life and then they'll go on to change other people's lives. So it's not just like, like a lot of Christians are like, Oh yeah, I'm just trying to change as many lives as possible. Like, well, that's awesome. Like, that's a great thing. But like, my thing is always like, focus on one person at a time and just like create a connection with people. Like relationships and connections are what like move the world along. Some people, some people think it's money. I think it's connections and relationships with people because truly at the heart of it, that's how we as humans like really uh, cooperate and make some of our best work that we have ever done in humanity. Um, so yeah, bigger tangent, but yeah, that's my thoughts. No, Elliot, I love that. I, the discussion about how, how we can, how we can be there for, for others, because the first thing that I wanted to say, Tess, as you were talking, this is like way back 
at the beginning of what you were saying is I was thinking about that. I, I mean, this advice I'm sure we've all received, which is like, if you're going to take a break or take time off or like have a day to yourself, if that day is spent stressing about the things that you still have to do, then it doesn't actually count as a break. It doesn't serve any purpose as a break. All you're doing is idly sitting there while stressing. Like you're not actually taking a break. And then um, relating that to what you said, Elliot, about how we can be there for people. Um, again, a much broader conversation that we could talk about for hours. But like I've, I've said in multiple episodes, uh, this n difference between like earning the right to speak about Jesus into people's lives and then just being just being a representation of Jesus without having to say it at all. And I think one of those ways that we can really take care of others, um, both as leaders and as Jesus people, is just by creating spaces that make people comfortable like and allow people to remove themselves from that stress that they were sitting in or like, hey, you're in a new space. I'm going to make you feel comfortable and welcome so that I can remove that stress and anxiety off of your plate. I mean, that is how we can be good leaders and how we can really represent the body of Jesus. So that's I'll just piece all these tangents together into something else. But um, that being said, it is my turn to talk about the gospel. So I'll let you guys listen to me talk for even more, even though I much prefer listening to all you three talk because it's such good stuff, y'all. Um, okay, so I'm going to be talking about Matthew chapter 22 still, verses 34 through 46. So it's not a parable this time, I promise. That was the first thing Sam asked me when I when I hopped on. You have a parable again? I don't this time. Uh, so everybody can cheer and not have to hear me recall an entire thing. Um, so what happens in here is it is another moment that is similar to what I've been talking about where, where people are trying to catch Jesus in, in like kind of a trap. This is kind of the routine of what we've been talking. So in this version the innocent question that's asked of jesus is um which commandment is the best i mean it's very similar to asking like a parent hey which is your favorite child um which can catch you into this position where you're diminishing all the other ones right like for jesus to pick a most important commandment is to then possibly diminish all of the other commandments and that's i think that's kind of the trap that jesus is trying to be put in but instead of answering the diplomatic answer, like a parent would say if you ask them what their favorite child is, which is, um, I love them all the same, or I don't have a favorite. I don't know what you're talking about. Instead, Jesus does give a, a, a direct answer, and he says, um, uh, uh, oh, God, he's, oh, let me pull up the verse instead of trying to wing it for myself. Uh, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I read a couple analyses on this that said part of the reason they think Jesus quoted this verse as his answer is because this is a verse everyone should be familiar with. So uh, the speculation is that Jesus is kind of being like really dumb of you to ask that question when the answer is like something you've known forever, which I think is really funny. Um, the more important part of this, I think, is that um, in choosing that language, um, all commandments are represented if because you can't follow any commandment if your heart isn't for God first. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the big the big takeaway for me. Um, what I what I wrote down, um, every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord is great. Every commandment is great. Um, I mean, that that is that is what God is saying here. So, um, 
if you're doing everything with a heart posture, that's the, the lingo, then um, with loving God and you have God in your mind first, then everything else will kind of follow. So he has kind of answered the question in a, in a pretty great way. There's another part of this, this text that I, I'm a little bit more excited about because it aligns with my favorite thing in the Bible, which is this conversation about Jesus as both human and as Messiah. Um, so Jesus asked the question, um, who is the Messiah? What's the exact lingo here? The question is, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And the Pharisees' response is uh, the son of David. And then Jesus asked the question, well, how is it then that David speaks of the Lord and calls him Lord? Um, and I think for me, this chunk kind of brings up that question, because really the answer is both. Um, the Messiah is is both the son of David and David's lineage and also still Lord. And those two things can exist. And I think the reason they didn't answer that question any further or pursue it any further is because they know this. It is a both and question. And that question for me, uh, <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, Jesus is the Josh Radner of Ted Mosby. So if you watch How I Met Your Mother, the guy who plays Ted Mosby can never get cast as anything else because everybody only knows him as Ted Mosby. And to me, it's like, Jesus is the same thing. Like, we spend so much time talking about Jesus as the Messiah and viewing Jesus as Lord and, and Jesus as God, that it is easy to strip the humanity of Jesus, this other identity that is part of Jesus and is what makes Jesus so relatable and so fun to talk about and think about in terms of the Bible um, is because Jesus shares that humanity, that lineage with us. And I think that's um, always something I want to talk about when it comes up, because I think Jesus as the man, Jesus as the human being is um, is the part that makes the whole story click for me. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to point that out. Jesus is typecast as Messiah, and we never talk about the other roles he plays in humanity. <laughs> That's where I'll leave it. I always love a How I Met Your Mother reference. I will take that. Any chance I can get one. Um, yeah, I really like... I mean, all of what you said, like no one says anything that I don't like here, but um, also the favorite child thing was really funny. And I also think the metaphor can continue because we all know every parent does have one. Like they have one. They just won't say it. Oh yeah. The head nods. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, in case my sister watches this, we're going to keep going. So <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind we've all heard this like a million times. What I think a lot of people skip over is that like, it doesn't just say love the Lord, your God. Like, yes, we should be turning our attention to God and to Jesus and like reading the Bible and all of these things, but also the emphasis on like us individually and us as a person, I feel like gets missed a lot in this passage because with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, like allow yourself to be consumed by it almost not in a, like, this is how you spend 24 hours of your day type thing, but just like love, like that's how you can show self love. Like how you can love yourself is by allowing your heart and your soul and your mind to, um, like be taken by God's grace and back to everything we've already talked about this episode of like being led by him and allowing um, like insignificant things to fall away because what will still be standing and left at the end is God. Like 
I think people usually read this passage and think, okay, God comes first, neighbor comes second, we come third. And that's just not, that's not the right order. It's God through ourselves and then everybody else comes after that. So. Tess, yeah, I love that you talking talked about, about uh, putting yourself first, loving yourself. And I, I, I always like, so for one of my classes here, at school, we had to write a personal mission statement, and it's kind of relatively long for mission statement for me. But the main thing was, <clears throat> I talk about I want to be in the constant pursuit of growth always, and then it goes on to explain that and talk about that. But like me personally, like I love the pursuit of growth. And that's obviously very broad, but like bettering yourself in a physical sense, mental, um, you know, friendship wise, making new connections meeting new people, changing people, uh, conforming to different people, you know, just learning and, and ultimately growing yourself as a person. That's something that is, this has always been great to me. And like, especially, um, even going through, uh, like what we were talking about earlier at some point, I can't remember, probably in the first half about, uh, you know, the difficult times that we go through. Oh yeah. Because we were talking about how Moses died. I remember that now, uh, difficult times that we go through, right? Like, um, like the fires in our life, if we can, if we can outlast that, then like the growth and the exponent, like will exponentially be better because we will have broken down and rebuild ourselves back up again. Like, there's this thing like, like, for example, when you work out, you literally tear your muscles and like your muscles grow back. So you have to tear yourself down a little bit somewhat to grow. And that's something that I've learned throughout my life and something that you made me think of Tess. So, yeah. So Michael mentioned it a little bit as a joke that I got on here. I was like, are you doing another parable? Because plot twist, I read the wrong thing when I read yours ahead of time. Um, and you started talking and I was like, there's no way we're talking about this part because I have very strong opinions about this part. Um, and it's one of the only Bible verses that like I, I have it. I don't know where it is, but I have it in my head because like you hear it so much growing up and I have really strong opinions about it because, okay, starting from the beginning, the reason I think that Jesus says both of these things is because these things are the same because if we as especially like as Methodists, but just as any kind of Christian, think that we are made in the image of God, then to love God is to love yourself, is to love your neighbor. And so when you are showing that love to God, because like that is the first commandment, and you see yourself as built in the image of God, built with the same kind of complexity and beauty as God, and then they say you have to love others how you love you, that means that you should be, it should be the same love across the board. Those are two of the exact same things. And the reason I have such strong opinions about this is because brace yourself. I don't think the church always does this. And I think a lot of the struggles that the church has had historically and a lot of the struggles that the church is having right now are because people don't listen to this verse. Because no matter what issue you're talking about, at the end of the day, no matter what you believe or what argument you're coming from, Jesus said it. It's right there. It's right over here that you need to 
love others the exact same way you love God, because everyone is built in the image of God. And if you're arguing with that, with other points from the Bible, you don't, you don't get it. You're, you're a little confused. <laughs> it's right there. And so, yeah, I, I'm really glad that you that this was the verse and that it wasn't the, what was it? I thought we were doing the parable of the wedding and I was like, okay, but buckle in guys. But no, um, I'm really glad you did this verse. Um, I'm glad I got to talk about this verse. Sam, you deserve this job more than I do. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Uh, I'm also glad it's not the parable of the wedding. <laughs> um, uh, y'all, this has been this has been this is great. This is great stuff. I don't want to add anything onto that because Sam always has the beautiful good ending to this um we can all we can all agree uh i will close us in prayer though if you'll join me um god thank you so much as always for letting us join together in moments like this and talk about your scriptures which sometimes are confusing sometimes are super clear and cut and sometimes uh you know there's all the things um i i want to also specifically shout out the fact that um you brought us together in the specific context that we're all coming from whether we've had a Good days, great days, hard days, awful days. Um, this collection of people with this collection of texts is always a spe specifically meaningful moment. And um, I just want to thank you for letting us have this. And hopefully, as always, it'll be useful to someone else that engages with the material. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Studio Wesley Annex. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much. Until next time, see ya.